The epistle for this feast of Corpus Christi is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brethren, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, giving thanks, broke, and said, Take you and eat. This is my body, which shall be delivered for you. This do for a commemoration of me. In like manner also the chalice, after he had supped, saying, This chalice is the New Testament in my blood. This do you, as often as you shall drink, for the commemoration of me. For as often as you shall eat this bread and drink this chalice, you shall show the death of the Lord until he come. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread or drink the chalice of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man prove himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of the chalice. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. We stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the sixth chapter of the gospel of St. John. At that time, Jesus said to the multitude of the Jews, My flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, the same also shall live by me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats this bread shall live forever. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, whenever we light a match... In order to perhaps light a candle or to start a bonfire or whatever, we are very careful to, to shield the flame of that match because we know the, the, the fire that's in that match is very tenuous. It can easily be put out by a puff of wind. We know that, that it's this flame that, that we are going to use to, to start the other fire. And then when the other fire is started, it will be secure. We, we will we will not, no longer need to be careful about protecting the flame because there will be enough fuel to keep that flame going. And the way that things work with fire is, is similar to the way that things work with our faith, with the truths of the faith that we believe. The truths of the faith are, are like an illumination of our minds. They, they give us a certain vision, a certain sight by which we see how to direct our lives towards our eternal salvation and the fire of, of our faith, it, it has to be protected if, if we are to maintain our faith. And there's one belief in particular that must be guarded carefully. It's, it's like that first match that, that is the flame from which the rest of the fire is thereby illuminated and sustained. And that is the belief in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. I believe that, that our Lord, that, that God himself is really, truly present in the Most Blessed Sacrament. Our belief in this fundamental truth of our faith, as I say, as it were, gives the, the fire, gives the flame, uh, the, the light to our mind to sustain our belief in all the other truths of our Catholic faith. If we stop believing that our Lord is really present in the Blessed Sacrament, then we find it difficult to believe any of the other truths of our faith. Of course, 
as our Lord mentions today in the gospel, this belief is so important of his real presence that if we do not believe in it, we cannot attain everlasting life. Think of all the people in this world who deny, who simply do not believe that our Lord is present under the appearances of bread and wine at the Catholic Mass. Think about how in the early church, of course, um, the, the people who were present on this day when our Lord first revealed this supernatural mystery and, and their descendants were so firmly believing in this truth. The fathers of the church were, were so firm in it passing on that belief. But over time, faith grew cold. And especially 500 years ago, when, when the Protestant revolt broke out, there started to come into this world this, this whole set of people who claimed to be followers of Christ, but refused to follow his teaching that he is the bread of life, that he is really present in the Blessed Sacrament. And so today, we, we have so many people, so many of these um, non-Christian, or sorry, non-Catholic Christian religions that deny the real presence of our Lord. They are like those people in, the, in John chapter 6, who when they hear this teaching of our Lord and say, this saying is hard, who can hear it? And they walk away. They walk away from that belief. Our souls, our Lord says to us, cannot live, cannot survive without this super substantial bread. We certainly, as Catholics, we must not be overly confident in our faith in the real presence. Can our faith in this truth also die? Can we lose belief in the real presence? Of course we can. We have to protect that flame. If we don't protect that flame, it will go out in our own souls, as it has gone out in the souls of so many in the history of this world. So how? How do we jealously guard this belief which is a gift. It's a gift from God for us to have this faith, to firmly believe that our Lord is really present. How do we cherish this belief? Make sure that we sustain it. Really, there's two, two main ways that we do that. The liturgy and also our own study of the truths of the faith. The liturgy is, is the most important way in, in which we, we guard our belief in the truth of, of the Most Blessed Sacrament. And the reason for this is that it's, it's during the Mass that really we, we act out our belief in the real presence. We, we communicate physically that, that this is what we hold to be true, that God is actually present here. That, that's shown in so many ways, shown in a, in a million ways in in our traditional liturgy. Well, I mean, one of, the, one of the reasons why we hold on to this traditional liturgy is we understand that this liturgy, this Mass, helps us continue to believe in the real presence. Think about all that we do, the, the, the special way in which we treat this room because we believe it's different because God is here. Because we believe that God is here when we walk into this room, we don't behave the same way. We, belay, we behave in every other room. We, we don't talk in the church. We, we come in and, and we, we get down on one knee to pay reverence 
to our Lord present in the, in the Blessed Sacrament. And then when we get in our pew, we, we kneel down. We, we would never do this if we were at home or if we were in a store, right? Um, Catholics are sometimes uh, mocked because they, they have the tendency to go into a movie theater and genuflect towards the screen. It's just it's second nature. <laughs> but we, we obviously um, want to live according to what we believe. And so we treat the place where God dwells as if he's really there. And we kneel before him. We bow before him because, precisely because he is God. And when we do that, when we do that every Sunday, when we come to Mass every Sunday, and we act out our belief in the real presence, we sustain that flame. We keep that flame going. You know that... This is unfortunately what the Novus Ordo has removed from the Mass. So many of these signs of respect towards our Lord, including the signs of respect by the priest. You know, in the traditional Mass, there's so many genuflections the priest has to make, but now there's only two genuflections left. The priest has to, to hold his fingers together in, in the traditional Mass to to respect the particles. We believe that even in each particle, our Lord is wholly present. And so the, the priest is very careful that, that no particle is lost of the sacred host, because each particle is God. But in the, in the Novus Ordo Mass, there's so few genuflections, there's, there's so little reverence towards our Lord. Someone going in, they, they might wonder, because do these people, do they really believe that this is God? Because they're not acting like it's God. Um, when they come up to communion, it's just like they're eating ordinary food. They stick their hands out. You know, they stick their hands out and they, and they receive our Lord on the hand um, instead of kneeling and on the tongue. And as a result, the, the belief in, in, the, in the real presence is sadly not preserved. In many cases, the statistics are, are saddening among Catholics today, belief in the real presence has dropped to less than 50%. Not even half Catholics today believe in the real presence, that our Lord is truly present. And among those who go to Mass every Sunday, even among those who, who go to Mass, who take the effort to go to Mass every Sunday, and that's only 22% of the, of the people in the United States, of the, of the Catholics in the United States, go to Mass every Sunday. Among those... Just 63% believe in the real presence. So 37% of those who take the effort to go to Mass every single Sunday do not believe that our Lord is truly present because the Mass they go to doesn't treat our Lord like God. So our liturgy is, is a very important means for us to sustain this flame of faith in this important truth. We, we also sustain our, um, our belief in the most blessed sacrament by studying our faith, by, by understanding this teaching of the most blessed sacrament. If anyone attacks the real presence by denying it, um, by trying to argue against it, we, we try to reinforce our faith by reminding ourselves the reasons, the rational reasons for us to believe in this. It is something incredible to believe in. 
that, that at the Mass, through the words of consecration, that, that God works through the sacred character of the priest and the words of consecration to come under the appearances of bread. It's an incredible belief. But we're not believing it with no reason. We have very, very solid reasons for believing in this truth. You know that when the truth of the Blessed Sacrament came under attack in the 1500s by the Protestants, and that was, that was one common denominator, even, even though the, all the Protestant sects, they had many different beliefs, they didn't agree amongst themselves, they did agree on one thing, and that is the rejection of the Mass, the rejection of the Catholic teaching about the, the Blessed Sacrament. And there was a certain German heretic by the name of John Ocolampadius. And he wrote a book entitled An Authentic Explanation of the Lord's Words, This is My Body, According to the Most Ancient Sources. And in this book, this man named John, he claimed that when our, our Lord said, This is my body, what he meant was, This is a symbol of my body. So, in other words, it's not actually his body, it's just a symbol or a sign of his body. And he pretended to prove that this was the true meaning from quotations from the fathers, from the fathers of the church. As a result, a Catholic bishop in England at that time, whom you probably heard of, St. John Fisher, decided to write a book of refutation against John Ocolampadius. So he was, he was a good shepherd, and he said, this man is trying to systematically attack belief in the Most Blessed Sacrament, in the real presence. If I do not do something, these people will be entrapped by his deceits. So he set about this work to, to, to write a book to systematically refute all the errors that he found in the work of John Ocolampadius. And he anticipated that some people would not like it, that he spoke so harshly against John. He used very strong language in this book. And... Here's what he said at the beginning of the book, and I just want to read this to you. It just gives us a sense. I mean, t today when, when, when the dogmas of the faith are, are considered in such a flippant way, and, and, and people are not um, so careful about what they believe. They just feel like, whatever you believe, it's all good with God, and I'm going to go to, go to heaven. So I don't really have to be careful about believing exactly what, what our Lord has revealed. St. John Fisher had a totally different attitude. He rose up like a lion to defeat these false arguments that were leading people astray, making them no longer believe in the real presence. He said, Should anyone feel that we have spoken too harshly against this man, we shall implore him to notice how bitterly our fathers have always treated heretics. If anyone wishes, let him read Jerome, let him read Augustine, let him read Hillary and the rest who drew swords with the heretics. He will not find them pleading their cause in soothing and gentle words, but harshly and bitterly, as it is fitting that the enemies of the truth and adversaries of the faith be treated by stern defenders of the Christian religion. And certainly when heretics are dealt with mildly and gently, especially in the case of dreadful teachings such as this, there is fear that the readers will think either that the heresies that are being assailed are not so abominable, or that the assailants themselves are unsure of their own stand. You will then, Christian reader, 
give me indulgence if I treat this festering sore with hands that are a little too harsh and so aggravated that I draw out its corrupt blood and display to the eyes of the onlookers how detestable is the contagion and at what great distance it is to be removed from the Christian flock in order that it may not corrupt it with any infection. This is how he begins his book. And then he goes on to systematically slay all the heirs in the book of John Ocolampadibus. He gave the most devastating arguments against him that it's impossible not to see where the truth lies by the time you come to the end of the book. There's many of these arguments that I could give, but I just, I just want to um, point out in, in there, there's five parts of the book, and, and in the third part, he sets out to give 14 reasons why we, as Catholics, believe in the truth of the real presence I just want to list these to you just to show um, there's a really solid basis that we have for, for holding on to this truth. Number one, the truth of Christ's body in the Eucharist is proved by his own very clear words. Number two, it is supported by the immensity of Christ's love. Number three, it is corroborated by the unanimous teaching of the fathers against John, who claimed the opposite. Number four, it is confirmed by the promises of Christ. Five, it is established by many councils of the church. Six, it is proved by countless miracles. Seven, it is strengthened by most trustworthy revelations. Eight, Christ's protection against heresies has never failed in the church. In other words, it would be impossible for the church to have taught this for so many centuries and have been wrong because Christ is protecting his church. It's unthinkable that the church could have been wrong all this time. Number nine, those who receive this sacrament frequently and devoutly advance in every virtue. Number 10, those who erred in regard to the sacrament came to an unhappy end. Number 11, opponents of the sacrament have no clear scriptural text working for them. Number 12, the heretics put forward solid evidence from no orthodox writer from the past. Number 13, they can produce no miracles or revelations to confirm their teaching. And number 14, those who depart from the universal faith of the church destroy one another. This response of St. John Fisher to the attack on the belief in the real presence of our Lord in the Most Blessed Sacrament is an edifying example to us of the energy with which true shepherds defend the most important truths of our faith and really all the truths of our faith. And also an example to us of how careful we should be to, to preserve that belief. If we find that there's something that's just kind of undermining our belief in the real presence, to react with the same level of energy as St. John Fisher at communion time, right after the unused day in our Mass, there's a beautiful prayer that the priest has to say to prepare for his own communion. And in this prayer, he asks our Lord that he may never be separated from him, that the priest may never be separated from our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, well, I want to invite you when we receive our Lord in the most blessed sacrament, 
on the solemnity of Corpus Christi to ask him especially to preserve that flame of faith in his real presence so that in the course of your life, through consuming his body and blood in Holy Communion, you may truly have everlasting life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.